I reached out to him because Rick and I so enjoy um, his message. So he's been a couple times here. Um, he owns a big, big, big farm out in Gallatin County. Rick and I have been there twice <laughs> to pick up some really good meat. So um, if you're on Facebook, find them, Hampton Farms. They have the cutest pictures of pigs, Australian shepherds. So very fun. Um, so we welcome him today. He's going to fill in today and then um, Labor Day weekend for us. So um, let's give him a big One Hope welcome. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Am I on? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, let me uh, get logged in here. Why does it say not good? Okay. Let's do it again. Well, I'll, I'll take one little misclaimer that she has uh, just shared in the sense of this big, 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 big farm. Um, I get asked that question every weekend. We, we uh, also sell product all year long at the Covington Farmer's Market. Um, and so in doing that, I will have the question all the time because we sell beef, pork, chicken, turkey, goat, duck, uh, I think that's it. Um, and all, all sustainably raised, no antibiotics, no hormones, all non-GMO feeds and so forth. And so people will say, my goodness, what size farm do you have to raise all those animals? I'll talk a little bit about that here later. But uh, we do multi-species grazing. So I have uh, what I would consider, when you think of farms, a moderate to smaller size farm. I, I have... It is, it is grand in one sense. I have 50 acres. So it's not, you know, 300 acres that, or whatever, uh, or, or even more than that. So I have 50 acres, but then people say, wow, how do you have enough room? And I say, well, I only use 14 of it. And they're like, what? So, so what you can do when you start to maximize some of the things that God gives us. So uh, uh, let's see here. Bingo, we're ready. Okay, um, so, so I want to make sure that everybody doesn't think this is some huge, magnificent thing, because if folks come out, you're going, well, that's not anything special. That's just cows eating grass. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, and so we'll talk about, about that. Um, let, me, let me say, though, uh, being that I've been with you guys in the past, it's great to be back. Wonderful to see this facility and where you're at. Bless you guys for the work that's going on here and what you're doing. And in the process of, you know, seeking God's wisdom and his insight, listening to his spirit for the direction of where you believe God is desiring to see this place go. And so today, I, I do want to be just a, an instrument that is played for you guys, that God is using to encourage you in, in, in some ways of, of, uh, of living and of loving, and of worshiping, and seeing that God's hand is moving you with the selection that he is making for you in this process. So, uh, and what a great opportunity to come into something that has this new growth here that's taking place. So, uh, so yeah, good to be back um, in, in this way to just share some fun stuff, and share a little bit of what God has been doing in my life in some aspects but I also want to share with, uh, with you what God is doing through his word 
again and again that is that is ageless and it never loses hope as the name of your church is one hope god's word will always be able to fuel us no matter where we're coming from where we've been and where we're about to be going to and so that's the beauty of what god does with this word and so before we get rolling into that a little bit let's see you said um i got an hour and a half oh no okay um uh all right here let's see where i um if your life is anything like mine and it might not be anything like mine trust me uh, did anybody check chickens this morning and look at goats okay good good all right so, so we're in it baby um but so the thing is, though, is what I want to say is, is about, how about busyness? How about hecticness? How about, um, I like to call it in-laws, outlaws, and uh, all the laws we try to avoid. And so sometimes I like to think that we just want to rest. And so even in my own life, I'll tell you a little later some of the places that I rest on the farm. But I just want to welcome God's Spirit to comfort us. And so I just, just ask that we... I'm going to pray over us, but I'm going to ask us that we'll take a deep breath and just sit comfortably. Hopefully this mic don't fall off my ear as comfortably as you're, you're, you want to sit. And, um, and then I'm going to ask you to take in a breath. I'll count to five and let it out. And then close your eyes. And I, I just want to pray over this community of faith that's here this morning. And then I'll uh, take the next steps in sharing from God's Word. So let's breathe in. Hold that and slowly let it out to the count of five. Five, four, three, two, one. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here as we do as the words were spoken and sung. We want to lean on your everlasting arms. Lord, I ask for the busyness of the week to just uh, melt away for these next uh, moments in time. And God, I ask that we hear from heaven through your word, through stories, through illustrations, and through your presence to speak into our lives. Lord, let the, 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 the hecticness of the past week or the schedule of the week before us be set to the side for these next moments. Come, Lord, and move among us. Give us the words that we need to hear. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. So I uh, thought I would share a little bit of, from a psalm this morning. And um, I uh, want to share with you from this particular psalm that David wrote. David wrote this psalm after being attacked by either his son Absalom or Saul. The commentators say they don't know which one it was exactly. And so in doing that, I have titled this talk today, Created to Live, Love, and Worship. And in doing that, I think many times we get caught up in the drama of the story. Um, one of the other things that I get to do so wonderfully is drive a school bus now. 
You want to hear the drama of the story? Check out those youngsters behind the driver in that bus. There's a lot of drama. Okay. Woo, yeah. So, uh, so, so the drama goes on. But, but the thing of it is, is the drama of the story of whatever it is that you may have felt in the past few days, the past month, the past year, the past five years, whatever it is, whatever that season of life has been for you, you've felt that there's been things that have come down on you, that people have chased you, come after you, circumstances, situations that may not have fully all been deserving. Pieces of it have been when we sit down and be honest with ourselves, perhaps. And so we have to be real. We have to keep ourselves in check. So I want to take a look at this Psalm 36 as it's going to lead me along to look at a few points. But uh, in Psalm 36, the first four verses discuss this action of people being wicked, whether it's Saul or Absalom. They talk about the actions of people who are never good. Do you have somebody in your mind that all of a sudden when I say people who are never good, all of a sudden it's like, oh, and, and you know, the person rings into your mind. It, it, it may. If it doesn't, bless you, that's good, okay? But on the other hand, we, we live in a fallen, broken world. We live in a world where things are destructive and things take place that are not always in the best interest for all people. So in Psalm 36, I want to pick up with these verses um, in uh, 5 through 9 and in reading that. And so, uh, so you may look that up and go back to that a little bit later. I'll just read it right here from the board. Uh, in Psalm 36, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your river of delights, for you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. And that is God's word for today. God being the light for which we see. I want to draw from three phrases out of this particular text. Seeing that David, in the beginning of that particular psalm, was was being attacked. Was being ridiculed, put down, condemned by folks that totally opposed him. And who he was. And his kingship that God had given him. And so, in the title of today's talk, remember that we're created to live, love, and worship. So even when attacks come on us, doesn't mean that we just give up this living. We go, oh, well, woe is me, I'm just done. No, sometimes it is pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. And sometimes it's other people grabbing the other side of that bootstrap with you to pull it up. It's not just... You being the, you know, Marlboro man and stepping up there and being able to handle it all, right? And taking another, oh, okay. Uh, but anyways, the, the thing is, is, is we need community. We need each other. But there's going to be obstacles along the way. 
And so how then do we continue to live? And do we find the support and the strength? And this is a great place, is one hope, a community church. This is where it needs to go on. This is the place that needs to take so we can link arms and take the hill together, whether it's my life, your life, or their life, that we're working to, to help one another be stronger in the things that take place, in the things that we don't like, and yet in the things that we need to care for one another. From this particular psalm, the first piece that I want to draw out of is David is writing and he says, you care. He's speaking to God. He's giving him this reverence. And he says, you care for people and animals. When I look at that phrase, you care for people and animals, and that David is giving this reverence to who God is, I then reflect on that and take some insight and says that if God cares for people, he cares for, for our, our health. The humanness of who we are. He desires for us to be healthy, to be a good individual, to be a good person, to be a good man, to be a good woman. And he also asks us, says that God cares for animals. Now I think it's fascinating. I, I'll have people all the time say, well, what do you think in, in my, my dog, my cat, my pet, fill in the blank of whatever it is that you are, have cared for for a number of years, that you grew up with. And people say, well, where, where do you think that's at? You know, did, did my cat or my dog go to heaven? And, and I'm like, I'm sure it's in a better place. And then when I go back and I read this story, and I look at this story and I think about the fascinating dreams and visions and the understanding of my faith that this word is, is incarnate without error, that God has delivered it from a supernatural way for us to read. When I get to the end of that story, I don't, I don't have the answer about the animals, but it is really fascinating that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is engulfed and enrealmed and riding on a horse. And I've never been to a horse barn that didn't have dogs or cats. And so I have some interesting thoughts that there is some uniqueness that gives us hope that there is an afterlife in some way, shape, or form that can comfort us. Is that a theology that I'm going to preach hard? I don't know. But I'll tell you this, it's comforting to know that my God, what David says, cares for people and animals. And it's a beautiful thing. And that sense of caring for people means that we need to care for those animals. And I want to give a story that God has always done that, whether we've been a part of that or not. Um, in the history of Africa and the Serengeti and the migration of animals and how those animals sometimes would be collected and used for, for the fulfillment of, uh, of our health and our nutrition, um, let, let, me, let me do an ADHD moment here for you and put a parenthesis. If you're, if you're here today... Uh, and you are a vegetarian, um, I will first ask for your apologies to me. Uh, I'm going to share some things about um, the eating of, 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 of some animals. But yet on the other hand, the way I will ultimately share by the time our, by, by, when our time is done here, um, I can share that we, I have people week in and week out will come to our, our booth at the market and they'll say, I'm vegetarian, 
but I hear your story all the time of how you care for these animals and how you raise them. I'll eat your meat only, okay? And so, uh, so I don't know if that means they're vegetarian or not anymore, but, um, but the thing is, is so I, I, I don't mean to offend anybody in that manner. Um, I have some different ideas and philosophies. I do raise some animals that are on the critical extinction list, and to keep raising them, we also have to take care and remove them from the flock so that we have the best of the breeds. So there are some unique things when you get into that part there because I can't keep every single animal that you ever have. And typically when I look at the history of animals that are on the critical extinction list, at least the ones I'm here, it's because nobody, nobody continued to use them anymore. Nobody cared. So if it's not a usable animal, people aren't raising it really as that pet. And then once the pet falls off, the animal falls away to the critical extinction list. That's way more than you wanted in that segment. But, uh, but let, me, let me share with you how God cared for these animals. In our own prairies of the United States, the buffalo would roam grandly out there on the prairie. And they would come and migrate by the hundreds and the thousands into an area. And they would vastly fill that area. And they would graze for two, three, four days. They would fill it with manure and urine. And then as they found that they've eaten the finest of the grasses, they would migrate off again for another mile to three miles away. And they would eat the grasses again. And, and, and you and I, we've seen some of the westerns or the cowboy movies or, the, or with, with the Native Americans and, and the feeding that they would do on a buffalo hunt to collect that and use the entire animal in the process. But the thing is, is, God designed these grasses to grow, and these animals came in, and their fertility lit that ground up, their hooves being split, compressed grasses into the soil, which then turned around, and where we're at today, in one sense, is we're the breadbasket of the world. We have some of the finest soils in the prairies that were cultivated and dug up that give us the greatest nutrition of soil for, for plant life to grow. And the thing that's fascinating is, is, is God designed that without our, impli- without our input. And he did it well. Well, also, after that, the birds would migrate in because there's bugs and insects that would come around, and they would land on all that manure and that fertility, and they would then would eat all the insects and the flies and all the different stuff. And I don't know if you know this, but the number one protein vitamin that a chicken or a bird can eat is fly larva. Highest level of protein. If you want the best fascinating to lower your cholesterol, you eat chickens that get to eat fly larva. It's their digestive tract that makes it happen. See, there's a created order of what David is talking about here, of how he loves people and loves animals, and he puts this all together. But I know uh, in seasons of my life and as I grew up, I could have give a fly and flip. I didn't care. But as I grow older and as I take this journey in life and I look at how I've lived my life and how I see things that I've done that have been well and I see things that I've done that have not been well and I try to evaluate and where God has brought me to a place that I'm able to think differently and clearer on some things, I'm taking those steps. And so it's a process that God loves people cares for them, and he also cares for animals. And he's been doing it for all of time. And so as I think of the buffalo roaming in and the flocks of birds coming in and resting and, and, and collecting all that insect life, um, God 
has intensively managed, regeneratively managed this earth without human involvement. And so on the other side, and that's a whole other talk someday, is it's interesting to see how much transition is taken when human involvement really gets in that. Instead of humans looking at the system of a created order that's been given to us, and we can turn around and go, wow, where can I help? Where can I be a part of what is already working? And sometimes is what we do even in our, in our place of business, in the church, in the family. It's like, what, where do you want me to be a part? Where do you want me to help out and plug in? It's not always coming in and saying, oh, I have a great grand new ministry that I want us to be a part of or I want us to do. Those are good things too. But what about the things that we are already going on, that we have already going on or already in place that need the extra assistance to work, to see them move forward also? God put a great created order together. And we as humans come in and we've, we've broken it all up and we've pulled it all away. And, you know, the buffalo roam together. But they moved and migrated and they got to fresh soil. So we decided that we were going to put a bunch of cattle together. We call it a cattle feedlot. Did you know that 70% of the antibiotics that are produced in the United States are fed to well cattle, well chickens, and well pigs? Because they live in confinement in such a way among their feces consistently that the bacteria is so high they have to be fed antibiotics. Are we really caring for ourselves, or is God caring for us better? How many of you have been to the doctor? This happened to me. I've read about it, now I've experienced it, and so now I'll speak about it. I go to the doctor, I'm not feeling well. I get the Z-Pack, right? I go to the doc, he gives me the Z-Pack. When I get home, I'm going to take two of these pills today. I'm going to cough, I'm going to hack, do whatever, not feel good. The next day I'm going to take another pill and another pill. And at the end of the five pills... I'm supposed to be feeling better. Comes Friday, Saturday, I mean, I've taken my Z-Pack, I've got all five pills through my system, and I'm like, I'm still feeling, man, this ain't happening. This didn't turn the corner for me. So I go back on Monday and I say, man, Doc, I, I'm still sick. He goes, oh, let, okay, let me prescribe this to you. I get another Z-Pack. I take the two pills the first day, I take da-da-da-da-da, three, four, five, I finish up, I'm, wow, I feel a little better. What happened? The, sta- the same antibiotic strand of medicine that was being fed to those well animals that were being processed and cared for and put in the stores that I bought was the same strand of antibiotic that was in the Z-pack that the doc gave me at the doctor's, at the, that prescribed to me. Until he changed the strand, did it affect my body? In my illness. And so the thing of it is, is there's a lot going on here when we think about how we as humans interject of how we're going to care for our health and our well-being that God designed a plan way before we invented certain things or come up with ways to make them work. He gave us the plan that we could live this life and we could learn how to love and we could learn how to worship the things that were created. I'm a big person about worshiping the things that have been created because we need to worship the creator first. I love seeing a magnificent, beautiful oak tree that's old and aged and gives great acorns that that, that, 
hogs can eat because it changes the flavor of the meat when hogs eat acorns. You guys all know that, right? Oh, okay. But, uh, but anyways, um, so the thing is, is, but who put that order in design? The God of the universe, the creator. So we worship him for that. It's in this process of sustainable regenerative agriculture that we love and care for this earth, that we can be fed in abundance some of the finest foods that you will ever experience. And it's God who's given it all to us if we'll care, if we'll learn how to live life to the fullest and to love this earth. These animals intensively graze. Now, one of the pieces that we've done here um, on our particular farm is we've taken that aspect of um, the idea of, of the uh, we've taken that aspect of those buffaloes and we've micromanaged that. I'll give you a real small aspect. Somebody said, "Are you going to talk all about your farm today?" I said, "I'll give you a few pieces. Maybe next time I'll talk more about it." But we put our cattle in a small block area. Actually, it's not much bigger than this auditorium for a day or two. And is what can happen is my cows will stay in this one section, 12 to 15 head, and they'll stay in this section, this square of your whole auditorium here, for one to maybe two days at the most, and they will distribute their manure and their urine relatively all over the square. If I give them the whole 50 acres to run out, and they find a good spot that's under a shade tree, and that's where they like to stay. And that's where they distribute all their fertility. And all, the, the thing is, is it's so fascinating, is that the, the ketones that can come out in urine of a cow, well, they'll go and penetrate six inches down into the soil, and they will feed microbial activity, which gives nutrient to the roots of the grass, so that that grass will continue to grow. And I don't run out of grass until way after a frost. And so when I micromanage the buffalo grazing on the prairie and the migrant birds... In this one spot, I put my cows today and tomorrow. In another spot, the same size, I put the cows. Now, following that, I bring about 200 laying hens of chickens behind all that. And so they pulverize the manure, they eat the fly larvae, they eat specks of the grass, and then they leave a powerful nitrogen, all naturally made, so the grass becomes invigorated and grows even stronger so I can bring these bovine lawnmowers back over it again because it constantly grows. And so the system in a created order works phenomenal. And it gives you some of the finest foods you will ever eat on this planet. The second thing that the psalmist David mentions, he says, you feed from the abundance of your house. I think the abundance of God's house is this earth. There are so many things that are in abundance for us to experience, but not to just extract and to use up. I think there's a process that we need to come together. And, and over the last three to five years, I feel like the industrial era and, and, and uh, the industrial revolution has been a fascinating piece. But this entire planet, as we think about going solar, or using solar panels, the entire planet was solar operated before the industrial revolution. And so there's pieces of that that I wonder how we can do that again. 
how we'll get back to some of those realms. Some, and I think with technology, don't get me wrong, I'm all about technology, I'm all about science, I'm all about those things. It's not like let's go back and be Amish. It's like what do we do to do it well as we go forward in a creative order that we can feed from the abundance of your house, God. We feed from the abundance of the wisdom and knowledge that God has given us in his created order that's put all this together. So caring for this earth is how it cares for us in the process of sustainable regenerative agriculture. God has given us this earth to care for. And when we care for it and do it well, it cares for us. Now, fascinating, I have a few other books that I've read. I call, read a book called The Big Fat Surprise. Um, also, if you heard of Dr. Mark Hyman out of the Cleveland Clinic, he's the leading functional medicine doctor. He says, eat fat, get thin. I don't practice necessarily a keto or a Mediterranean diet, but I love eating steak and vegetables. I love eating goat roast and squash and zucchini. I love eating um, uh, uh, goat burgers. I love eating pork chops on the grill. Almost every night I'm having some form of a meat, and every night I'm having vegetables. The things I've left alone are the processed things. Do I have them? I still will. But do I have them the way I used to? No. And I've lost 50 pounds by not even trying. The thing of it is, it's so fascinating when we eat certain foods. Am I going to promote being a meat eater for you? No. Am I going to promote being a certain eater for you? No. I'm going to say, what works for you? What works for your system? I'm not here to tell people exactly this is a diet plan, but I am here to tell you that there's foods that are much better to eat that have not been processed. In that book, The Big Fat Surprise, she'll give you the 50-year history of how the United States looks like a guinea pig compared to the rest of the world about how we have quit eating fats, and now we have the highest cholesterol, the highest diabetes, and the highest heart attacks of any nation in the country. Sometimes numbers don't lie. All depends on who's doing the math. I believe that God is speaking in so many ways into our lives as he has to David when things are against us and not for us and yet we look to God to see what he's doing he continues to amaze us the third thing that I want to talk about then that David mentioned the first one was that he loves people and animals the second one is that we live from the abundance of his house And now the third one is you are the fountain of life. When we look to God, do we recognize that he is the fountain of life? He's the life giver to all humanity, to all animals in a created order. I didn't grow up farming. I grew up in Detroit. Lived there for 32 years in my life. I'll tell you, I am passionate about caring for the soil now, caring for the earth. I'm passionate about seeing animals be cared for and giving them the best life they can have. And if you would have asked me 10 or 15 years ago, would I think this way? I would have had no clue. But it is amazing how God has taken the character that's inside of me, how he's developed and made me, and how he's developed and made you, and what it can do. And he's, he's given you a clear picture 
And I feel like, I, I told my son just last week, I said, son, you could have asked me five years ago if I would have 200 chickens around me and think it's great. No, I, did, I never even held a chicken in my life until I bought my first 67. Okay, my wife thought we were going to be little homesteaders and buy 12 chickens and let them make a few eggs out back. We can just have them for breakfast. I thought, yeah, let's buy 67. Oh, and so now we're at 200 laying hens and 200 meat birds every five weeks. And, and so I'm doing things I never saw myself doing, but I love it. And it's so amazing how God fuels me. And I think of God being the fountain of life that says, what's your dream? What are you crazy about? What is it that you love? Because he's created you in that way to give you that opportunity to live that life. And so in doing that, I turn around and I say, God, I want to worship you. You know, how great you are, how great thou art. Oh, your everlasting arms are wide open on that cross to receive me and say yes to who I am. And when we do that, we worship the God of the universe. For me, as we started out in that prayer this morning of trying to just set the rest of life to the side so we could hear from David and hear some stories about caring for animals in this earth and our own lives, I would have never done it years ago. I was too ADHD to go and sit in my duck sanctuary, which is a large spot about twice the size of this auditorium with a little pond, and I have about 40 ducks over there that we collect their eggs from, but I have two little stools that I can just sit there, and as I look over, I'll see the ducks come out of the woods, and they'll just creep across the pond, and I'm becoming this mushy old guy now. Because it's like I, I see God's creative order moving and it's so peaceful and so serene and I just let the Spirit of God speak into my life. But man, even though my life is so full and so busy with a lot of... I still get those 20 or 40 minutes sometimes every day to third day. That's like, oh, and I needed that. I need that emotional fuel in my life. And I worship in that. I see that from David's psalm and his word that we worship. And what is worship? Sometimes it's hard to get that. We call it, it on the radio, it's your number one worship channel. It's your number one worship station. And so what is, what is worship? In the sense is to be in awe, to be amazed, to be overjoyed. To see the things that God is doing. Yeah, I hear people will say, how come we don't get that excited about God as we did at the football game? I think there's pieces of me that I'm more excited about God's created order than I am just because I can jump up and down and say, yeah, we scored. Because it's so lasting. Because when I put my head on the pillow at night and I close my eyes, I think about how grand this life is that God's given me to live. And that he's given each and every one of us to live and to take the opportunities. To, to worship is also a word that's not used much anymore, is to have a reverence, to be reverent and amazed. I never owned a duck in my life either until the last two years. 
those little duck web feet are so amazing and how incredibly designed they come together. And they are these motorizing paddles that can move them across the water in a fascinating way. And I think, God, how you designed that. And when I think about worshiping God and all the creative order, I think about how it all started and where did it start? It started in a garden. I'm not a good gardener, though. I can raise some livestock, but I'm not a good gardener. But, but God is. And the garden is so many things in our lives that allow us to worship God because He's cultivating us. He's pruning us. He's seeing us bloom where we are. And in doing that, we worship God because He is the fountain of life. He's the one that gives us the hope. As One Hope Church, you have a number of things to be thinking about with the potential next steps of leadership here. Are you living the life that God's created for you? Do you recognize how much God cares for you and for animals? Do you recognize how He gives you the fuel source of hope by giving us this earth to care for? Are you learning to love? Sometimes that's not always easy. Sometimes it's easy to love those that are like us, but it's not always easy to love someone who's not like us. My biggest thing I used to say is learn how to love somebody who's not like you. But why? Because that's when you'll grow. That's when you'll be challenged to see what God's doing in your life. Learning how to love. Are you worshiping God to see the light that He has for you? He's got a plan for your life. Each and every one of us. He motivates us. He encourages us. But sometimes we don't see it. Or sometimes the busyness of, the, of life that we're in makes it all get crazy. And we just continue to trod down the same trail and we don't take in the experiences that God has for us. Bless you all. Let us pray. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, I thank you that you are a God who loves us. I thank you that you are a God who speaks into us through, through nature, through other people, and especially through your word, and through David, a man after your own heart. Lord, I ask that you would continue to grow us as we take steps this week. Give us wisdom to be what you've called us to be, to be the people of faith. I ask for your favor to be on each one here today and those that are making decisions and deciding and helping and seeking your face and your spirit to move for the next steps of One Hope Community Church. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. We ask this in your name. Amen. If there's any prayer or any other questions, feel free. Um, I'll be hanging around for a little bit.